But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hi, I'm Jesse Lin, and I'm Angela Lin. Welcome back to "But Where Are You Really From." This week, we wanted to take a deep dive into the history of Indigenous Peoples Day. And where it originally came from. So we did a little bit of background research as it relates to Indigenous Peoples Day, or as it was more commonly known to us in the '90s, Columbus Day. In a nutshell, basically, Columbus Day was supported by a bunch of Italian Americans who moved here because at the time when Italian Americans were moving here, they were heavily discriminated against by the local population, the people who were already here. And so they were looking to create a holiday that would embody like these good things about being Italian American, and to celebrate that. And basically, it was picked up state by state. Not all states have Columbus Day. I think there are a few states where the holiday is officially designated as Indigenous Peoples Day instead of Columbus Day. So the idea that it wasn't Indigenous Peoples Day until recently, I think, is not correct. I feel like a lot of people. Think that because it's been tied up with a lot of the recent conversation around like social justice and which narratives we should be reverberating now. But there were already a few states where it was it, it has been Indigenous Peoples Day for a few decades now. Oh wow! And, yeah, people are really taking a reevaluation of what Columbus actually did and how it was impactful for the local population in a negative. Way. And actually, some of the articles were really interesting. They said that, like in some Caribbean、uh, nations, they actually don't have this day at all. They have like a national holiday to celebrate local people,、hmm. because Columbus didn't actually make it to America. I think he only made it to the Caribbean islands. So, as a result of him making it to the Caribbean islands, there's like obviously a lot of bad things that happen, like the disease spreading, which killed a lot of people. So. I think locally they don't celebrate him at all. They just celebrate like the the local people's day. So that's in a nutshell. I found it really interesting because the background of it is almost kind of like the same reason why people want to rename it Indigenous People's Day now because Italian Americans were like, we don't want to be discriminated against and we don't want to be seen poorly by the population that's already here. So that's just the primer and what we're going to be talking about today. And to help us with that, I have a special friend from college, Maggie, who will be joining us. So, Maggie, as usual, we're going to be asking you, but where are you really from? Yay! Hello. Hey. hey. <laughs>、um, so, when I'm asked where am I from, I always say Kansas. I'm from Shawnee, Kansas, but I was actually born. In San Jose, California, so woohoo Bay Area,、oh, hey. um, and yeah, and lived there until I was like eight. But most of my memories are from Shawnee, Kansas. And then I actually don't rarely get, but where are you really from? I get you look different. <laughs>、um, like I am love the variations. Yes, I am the classic, like very racially ambiguous person <laughs> that people want to ask and. Like can't yeah, just don't really know how to phrase it. So yeah, I get you look different, but I'm half Navajo and half German. Cool. Do people try to guess? 
No. <laughs> I think people are like walking on eggshells most of the time. <laughs> um, I get, I get, I also call myself a shapeshifter because I feel like whoever I'm with, people will assume I'm them. So, mm. like, I have a really good friend who she is half Puerto Rican, half Mexican. And we would like go to the gym and her coworkers would be like, oh, is your sister in town? Is that your sister? And like, my dad put up a picture of us to like wish me a happy birthday. It was like a cute picture with her and I in it. And people were commenting like, wait, which one's Maggie? And, <laughs> and things like that. And I get that, like, I've been asked, I've gotten my nails done with my Vietnamese friend and I've been asked like, oh, are you Vietnamese? And I'm like, what? Interesting. Actually, that's really funny. Every story you've told now, I'm like looking at you through our video chat right now. I'm like, I can see that. <laughs> I can see, yeah, because I, I have high cheekbones. So she, I think the Vietnamese woman saw my cheekbones and was like, yeah. I see it. Um, I've been asked if I'm Nepali, like, everything of people wow. have like been like oh are you french and i'm like do i look french i it's an identity crisis at the end of the day oh, wow. <laughs> but so rarely funny. has anybody ever like i actually don't think anybody has ever guessed native american mm -hmm. um, usually it's mexican which <laughs> makes sense because my the navajo are from the southwest so like mm. you know have you ever been an opportunity to be like amongst a lot of Navajo people? Like, what do they think you are when you're Oh, like yeah. Any, um, it's really funny. So my mom is actually pretty distant from her culture. Obviously, we all know the stereotypes of, like, living on a reservation and alcohol abuse and all of that things. And she has a lot of dark things in her family that, you know, as soon as she turned, like, 16 and graduated high school, she left. She got mm -hmm. out of there. Um, and she really distanced herself from it and distanced my brother and I from it um but we always have like family reunions or something and i think the last one i went to but she didn't and people were running up to me and calling me my mom's name and they were like oh elaine elaine and and i'm like my mother is like 33 years older than me like i'm either very offended or or like they just haven't seen her in that long but um when i was younger i felt like i didn't look like either of my parents i always had this thing that i was like oh i'm adopted i'm adopted i don't look like either of them but now that i'm older i look so much like my mother so whenever I'm like around all of my mom's family, they just assume I'm her. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. So I have a question for you that's like somewhat ignorant because I like openly admit I'm ignorant on a lot of topics. But um, one of the ways that we reference like Asian American identity is like what generation you are. So based on what you just said of like your mom grew up, sounds like around everyone else who was also Navajo and then she decided at age 16 like goodbye so from that is that like would you say you're first gen because you're like the first generation outside of that culture hmm, that's interesting I've never thought about it that way it's also like it's different for me too because I'm mixed so mm. I think like mixed is its own identity in and of itself um but yeah, I guess you could say first because my, I mean, my mom doesn't speak the language though. She mm. could a little bit when she was younger because of course she would be like yelled at in Navajo. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I think most of the time I just say I'm half Navajo. And I think a lot of people assume that's like first, kind of like first generation because my mom is full. So we kind of go by blood. Yeah. Um, and 
yeah, just by saying, oh, I'm half Navajo, it's like, oh, you're definitely half white too, because we can tell. (laughs) (laughs) Since today is Indigenous Peoples Day, as someone who is half Navajo, I know, you know, your, your mom kept you a little bit distant from that culture growing up, but I'm curious what this holiday means to you because it is in celebration of your people. Yay. So happy Indigenous Peoples Day, everyone. (laughs) First Nations and yeah, everything that everywhere around the world calls it, because like Jesse said earlier, it is, it's like an international thing. And um, places like in California have been celebrating since the 90s. So the rest of us are just kind of like catching up. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about this because honestly, growing up like as a millennial in the 90s, I didn't really think anything of it. It was like, oh, it's Columbus Day. We don't have school. Probably. (laughs) You know, I'm from Kansas. I I pretty much guarantee you we celebrated Columbus Day. (laughs) And by celebrated, I mean, we just didn't have school, right? Like, it's one of those holidays that, like, we don't actually know much about. We just know we don't have school. We don't have work. And... And then, of course, going to NYU and, you know, being exposed to things that are a little more politically correct, (laughs) you know, I started realizing like, oh, there's so much more to this. And as somebody, again, that's mixed and has like very confusing relationship with my identity, I guess you could say, you know, I kind of felt like an imposter pushing any of those Mm. things like on social media or like with my friends and family. And but I was thinking about it and it's one of those things that's like, Native Americans, there's so many stereotypes around them, whether, and they're all negative too. You know, it's like, oh, you're alcoholics. Oh, you live on a reservation. That means you're poor. That means, you know, it's government subsidized. That means there's, you know, domestic abuse. Like Native American women are at like the highest rate of like sexual abuse, domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. going missing, abductions, just so many dark things. And I feel like with Indigenous Peoples Day, there are so many awesome things we can be celebrating. And there's so many ways that other people who are not Indigenous can celebrate too. So like I have recently found the Navajo niche on Instagram and there's so many small businesses like Navajos especially, but Native Americans in general are amazing artists. Mm. So that's something Mm. that it's like we should be celebrating this so much more and talking about it, whether it's pottery, silversmith, jewelry, beading, artwork, you know, there's just like so many things weaving. My great grandma was a famous weaver, like so many things that we can give money to and buy and celebrate this culture that is actually just really been whitewashed. Like, you know, how many people are buying turquoise on Amazon because it's cheap? Like, no, that's part of my culture. And you should go buy something handmade from somebody and support their business. So, yeah, I think, you know, the more that I think about Indigenous Peoples Day, the more that I'm like, we need to celebrate and uplift the positive things in our culture that so many people just don't even realize exist. You're going to have to send us that Instagram news that you found because, oh my gosh, I've fallen into a hole and I absolutely love it because these women look like me. Like for the first time ever, I'm looking at people that I'm like, oh my gosh, you have a round face. I, you know, I'm curvier, we're bigger women, like we're bigger bones. And it's just something that's beautiful to look at because growing up, you know, I would see on TV, 
really only Latinas that I could kind of relate to where it's like, oh yeah, I look like them. Like when Jane the Virgin came out, oh my gosh. Oh, like, I love her. Gina Rodriguez, <laughs> yes, I love her. And I'm like, she kind of looks like me. I see it. I love her. You know, like I was all about that show. And now I'm finding real women who look like they could be my sister on Instagram. And I absolutely love it. And of course, they're always talking about small businesses. A lot of them still live in the Southwest. So just things like that, that, you know, I feel like it's such a small community that could be so much bigger and that it, it's such a positive and like beautiful place too with all of the artwork and everything that people just don't learn about. That's always been such a shame to me that I feel like we don't talk about Native American culture much. Like I remember when we were growing up in California, we did learn, I feel like quite a bit of history mm -hmm. around it because we are closer to like there are reservations in California and like, mm -hmm. you know, so there's that history there um, compared to like when I talked to friends from different states, they had like very different depth of knowledge around all of that. And I like personally have always been a huge fan of all things Native American because I feel like it's, it's a beautiful culture. And I feel like I got those vibes from you in previous episodes <laughs> too, when you went to like do the ayahuasca and stuff. I'm oh like, God, does Angela yeah. burn sage in her house? Like if so, support small business. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, not yet, but I might as well buy some. Um, but yeah, I, it, it's never talked about and it's such an underrepresented group because it's almost like it's like this silent group that has never left like we've extinguished a huge portion of that population but like yeah, exactly. you guys have always been here and it's just something that isn't celebrated and I always find that such a shame yeah I definitely agree with that I feel like what's great about the idea of Columbus Day becoming Indigenous People's Day in the popular mindset, like having people recognize it differently, is that personally, I feel like the way that we learned about Native Americans in school makes it seem like it's something that's relegated in history in the past. Like they were here in the past and like these conditions and the way that they live don't exist anymore. Almost like you're going to a museum and like looking at yeah. like a archeological exhibit. When in reality, like a lot, a lot of people in the US still live on reservations and a lot of people are Native Americans. So having this visibility, I think is really important because it reminds people that you're still here. Like you haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I think something that you brought up is this huge idea of the past and so many, like, I think a lot of our stereotypes are also like things of the past. So, you know, I follow a few Navajo men who are vegan and it's like, people would never think like, oh my gosh, a vegan Native American. It's like, hello, we're people too. It's 2020. <laughs> like, you know, I'm here living in Japan, like things like that. It's like, we're not just, yeah, we're not just people who live on reservations and can't speak English and don't have electricity. You know, people just, they think of these things in such like archaic ways, but the modern Native American is really just like everybody else, but we have, you know, a culture behind us that we celebrate. And while those are more traditional, you know, I think, especially in America, so many mixed Americans and first generation 
Americans celebrate other cultures as well. So yeah, it's one of those things that it is confusing that it's like, why are we seen in the past when like, we are just as modern today? Like, I'm following Navajo influencers, you know, (laughs) like, that is definitely very modern. Yeah. One thing that I noticed, um, because we're talking about in the United States, there's this like strangeness where we're seeing your people as something of the past. When we think about broader indigenous peoples, so outside of the United States, like very recently I was watching a Netflix series about it's like the street food Netflix series and it like highlights. I different. love that. Yeah. And it was a Latin America one. And I don't remember if it was Peru or a different uh, South American country, but it's one where like a lot of the native people are still amongst the population and they are still like dressed in their traditional garb and like do a lot of the same kind of like crafts that they've been doing for centuries probably, right? And they are mixed within the population, but uh, people look down on them, like almost Mm -hmm. like they're a second class of citizen. And that's always been really like frustrating for me to see because it's like these people to the point of the United States, like they haven't gone away. It's like, it makes me mad when Mm -hmm. I think of the other types of non-native people looking at them as almost like, I could imagine them thinking like, oh, well, we evolved past you. Yeah, I think that's definitely the thought process, which is why kind of going back to what I said, it's like, no, I mean, we're here, we're mixed in with everybody else. Um, You know, obviously the people that are still living on the reservation are struggling a bit more because of the circumstances. But, you know, percentage wise, not that many people are living on the reservation. Um, Most of us live off of the reservation. I mean, it's one of those things that's like, I can be at home and I can be, you know, my, I have cousins who are like electrical engineers and doing my amazing job and just, you know, again, shape shifting and living with everybody else. And then over the weekend, I can go back to the reservation and do a ceremony of some sort that I believe in spiritually. And then on Monday, I'm back at work. Like that is completely normal. Mm. You know, we're not all just living on the reservation and living that life. Yeah. Have you seen um, Padma Lakshmi's Taste the Nation? I've seen it advertised, but I have not yet watched it. There's a great, so again, as me being somebody mixed, they have a German episode and they have a Native American episode. And I love that, like both of them speak so much to me. Um, And I've been to so many of the places, but in the Native American one, they have, you know, movement to decolonize Thanksgiving. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yes, decolonize Thanksgiving. I love this. You know, that's really interesting to think about what is, you know, Native American food that isn't colonized. And it's hard to think about because so many people on the reservation are, you know, government have government subsidized food. So it's a lot of really unhealthy food. And um, they actually highlight that like traditional before any sort of like government intervention, native foods, it's a lot of like, pack rats and like, you know, those kinds of animals. And so while I'm like, yes, decolonize Thanksgiving, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm like ready to hop on that like Peruvian tradition of like eating guinea pigs and whatnot. Um, So it's really interesting though that, you know, it's while the other countries with, you know, native people, I feel like they have more of their history that they can hold on to and that they can keep practicing. Like in Peru, they do eat guinea pig. Obviously not like if you go to a restaurant, but if you're going to a small village, like they will have a little guinea pig hut in this on the side. Um, but for Native Americans, you know, we grew up 
on fry bread and that's with flour. That's not a native, you know, traditionally native food. You know, we used corn. So it's these things that it's like, I don't even think a lot of Native Americans even know what going that far back, like native food is. I think I deduced from what you were saying, what decolonizing Thanksgiving means, but essentially you're saying it's like refinding the stuff that is actually traditional to your culture food wise before white people came and took everything. <laughs> exactly. <Okay. laughs> and again, I love the idea of it, but I don't know that I'm ready to go eat like, you know, <laughs> rodents. Well, you could like fish, you know, like things you hunt that weren't weird. <laughs> I mean, I think the good part about like re-engaging with your heritage and culture later on in, in life is that you can make a better assessment of like the good and the bad things and you can pick kind of like the best of both of those things. So take the corn and leave the guinea pigs behind, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so I'm just going to change gears for a little bit and go back to kind of something you were saying earlier about how you feel like you appear as a chameleon, a, a different person to different people. How did you feel growing up? Do you feel like people were able to integrate you into, into like how they look? Like they're like, okay, like you look close enough to be like one of us, so you belong. Or people were always kind of like, uh, we're not like super sure where you belong. So we're like a little bit more cautious about it. Yeah. Um, but no, I definitely feel like me as somebody who is very white passing, I can fit in in pretty much any situation. Um, I feel like if anything, it was more like my, the build, my build and my like weight mm -hmm. that made me feel a little like ostracized because again, like I, I am native. Like I, we are just bigger people. Like my brother is probably like six, two. I mean, he's huge. He's like 200 pounds. Like it, that's not uncommon. Like all of my Navajo cousins look like that, you know? And it, so I felt like that always kind of, you could tell like, Oh, she's a little bit different from that. But in terms of my skin color, definitely I can really shape shift into any community. It feels like, um, but like I mentioned, my brother is a lot darker than I am. Um, everything he has like black eyes, black hair, his skin color is a bit darker. He's huge. He's got a lot of tattoos and he is definitely more discriminated against, especially in terms of the law. He's somebody that in high school, like everybody called him the Mexican and mm. that was like his wow. nickname. Um, I mean, he embraced it. I don't know if he wanted to, but he embraced <laughs> it and it was like, but dude, you're not Mexican. <laughs> like, but, um, he has been arrested for doing something that my dad, who is white with like blue eyes, has done the exact same thing mm. and, mm. you know, didn't didn't get arrested. So it's something mm -hmm. that is like in my own immediate family I've witnessed. Wow. Wow. Something that we talk about a lot is like how we develop our identities throughout our lives and how that's changed and how we've like changed how we see ourselves too and how we judge our own culture, right? And like, I very much admit that when I was younger, I definitely like rejected being Asian and like didn't want anything to do with that, wished I was white, you know, that's kind of <laughs> the, the way that you're taught to think is the best way to fit in with society, right? And so I'm curious, since you were more white passing than your brother and your relatives, when you were growing up, did you ever have a sense of like, 
oh, I'm so glad that I don't look like you because I, I feel like if I were like 14 and was not trying to understand my culture and like embrace it fully like I am now as an adult, that's how I would see it is like, oh, I'm glad I got like dealt the good genes or whatever. <laughs> so no, I had the exact opposite um, growing up. Hmm. I So only recently have I really been more like vocal about being Native American because I felt like like imposter syndrome, basically. Um, mm. So I, I think basically I felt left out and <laughs> that like I just really wanted to look like the rest of them. So and it was something that I was teased by my own family for going like from my own brother. He we grew up and he would call me a mutt. And he knew that like, it would make me cry and I hated it because, you know, like the word mutt, it's just like you just picture I mean, now, obviously, you know, mixed dogs are embraced. But back in the 90s, it was like a dirty street dog, you know, that like didn't have a mom and was nasty. And so my brother would call me a mutt and I would cry. And then um, I know. And then my cousins would call my brother and I city kids, even though we lived in Shawnee, Kansas. Mm. And <laughs> so it was like, I don't fit in anywhere I go in terms of my own family. Like, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. like gatekeeping, like I'm not good enough for this or this or this. And so that was really challenging. It was like, oh, if I could just be darker, if I could just look more like this, you know, I would, they would accept me more. So I think at the end of the day, it was just easier to be accepted by like the white side of me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. than it was the native side of me. And now that I look back on that, it's like, that's just kids being kids and joking. <laughs> and, you know, and I don't truly don't think they meant anything of it and didn't mean to make me feel any less native but it's definitely that's something that like stuck with me until today really Mm. Mm. wow interesting because your mom kind of removed herself from all of that at an early age and then had a trickle down effect for how much you guys you and your brother were exposed to that tradition those traditions like how close do you really feel to your native culture and how much of the customs and the traditions and those spiritual practices do you practice and like stick to, I guess, in your, your current adult life? Yeah. I think traditionally and in like a formal setting, probably not many. Um, but I think one of the, the great things about being Native American and especially about like being Navajo and being from the Southwest is I have a connection with nature that I'm realizing more and more as I get older that is like so important and so ingrained in who I am. I just feel so alive when I'm outside and when I'm connecting with nature and when I'm hiking and when I get to go and see like beautiful things that mother nature has built. And that's something that, you know, not to be like woo woo. Is that the technical term on this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Not to be like woo woo about it, but it is something that like I feel and that like my husband who is white is kind of like, okay, Maggie. And you know, like jokes with me about, but like even anywhere, like we went and hiked in the Himalayas in Nepal and it like, my friends will tell you, I have an obsession with the Himalayas, like with Mm. Mount Everest. Like I just, I absolutely love it. And I feel alive. And like, I am me when I'm like immersed in some of these places. And so I think that is something that like, you know, before it was just like, oh, I like nature. Now it's like, well, no, this is literally part of like who I am. Mm. And that's something that 
I think is important to recognize and not just say, oh, I like nature. It's like, no, this is like literally in my blood. And another thing I think would just be like the artistry, you know, while my great grandma was a famous weaver, I am not, and I don't really (laughs) do anything with my hands in terms of like physical art. I am a graphic designer as my day job. So I feel like I can kind of see some of these traditions and some of these things that are just like in our DNA being reflected in more of a modern way. Mm-hmm. And same thing, I I definitely, I'm sure, have you guys heard of Skinwalkers? No. It's the like werewolves that masquerade as people. Is that it? Yeah, they're like, yeah, like the evil spirits kind of thing. Yeah. They're called Itch-Eaties in, <laughs> in Navajo. And I totally believe in the Itch-Eaties. Um, my mom says she's seen them. You know, there's certain things like ghosts and whatnot that I like really, <laughs> really ingrained in my family. I, um, when I first moved to the house that I'm in right now, a lot of weird things were happening. I won't get into it, but a lot of weird things were happening. My dog was acting very strange. And I kind of just mentioned this on the phone in passing with my mom of like, oh yeah, you know, something's going on here. It's not right. And um, literally like the next day I have texts from all of my aunts on the reservation <laughs> who are like, we're, we're mailing you this. You gotta, you know, you need to do a Navajo ceremony to get that rid of the spirits in your house. We're mailing you um, these charcoal buttons that you like, like they, when they like sent me, they like sent voice messages of how to say the like ceremony saying in Navajo and all of this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I believe in this. Like I'm going to do this. And I did it. And I have not experienced anything in the house since at the end of the day, even though I'm, you know, not somebody that's going and doing every ceremony on the face of the earth that I can be like, I, you know, my aunts and my grandmas and stuff are still embracing me. And if this is something that they're like, do this, this will help. Like, why wouldn't I, you know, do that? And if I believe in it, I can do it. You know, it's part of my culture. So now you have so much to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you need to come back for a Halloween episode. Oh my God, that would be great. Oh my gosh. No, literally everybody, I think everybody in my family knows about my house now. I'm like, Mom, I barely mentioned this. <laughs> and now I'm getting mailed cedar and charcoal from like Arizona. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been great. Um, moving into our close, our fortune cookie segment. We always like to end on something a sweet treat. Um, and we thought it would be fun if we could learn what of your favorite, like fun traditions or customs that like you've learned about your your culture and that you've practiced before or that you like want to practice um, that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, so this is maybe not fun, but I think this is one thing that like I hold on to, like this is to me is like one of the most important things. Um, and so I'll just start with basically like I was not baptized so, you know, in like traditional Christianity, baptism, you're like giving, you're surrendering yourself to like the Christian church to God, right? That is what essentially it symbolizes. So in Navajo culture, when you're born, you bury your baby's umbilical cord. And it's basically, you are like giving your body back to like mother nature and like mm-hmm. the earth. And so it's just one of those traditions that is kind of like, oh, you know, like, your earth has fed me and has like helped me build this baby. And now I'm giving like literal, like 
body <laughs> back to you. And I, that's just one thing that like I absolutely love. So I'm not baptized, but my umbilical cord is buried. So I always like to say that I'm like baptized like a Navajo. <laughs> oh my God, that's such an interesting fun fact. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things that are like, oh, if your ba- if you didn't bury your baby's umbilical cord, they'll be like searching for it for their life. So they won't oh like, they won't be at like, <laughs> like you'll always be searching for something and like wow. you won't be, you won't have that sense of, um, like fulfillment. fulfillment yeah exactly like there's so, like it, it's tied to a lot of like really deeper things and um it's it is interesting because my brother's umbilical cord was not buried because my mom was lazy <laughs> and my brother and I have a lot of differences so um so yeah it's interesting amazing is there like a special like ceremony around it like do you know where it's buried um, I, I knew at one point, I'm sure mine was probably just buried in California and like San Jose in our backyard, <laughs> but there are different things like supposedly, I mean, really you can do it anywhere again. Like it, mm-hmm. it's a modern native American, like obviously you could go onto the reservation and do a more traditional, uh, like ceremony around it. Um, I think you can also like bury it somewhere that could maybe have like significant meaning so i think my brother wanted to bury his sons at like kaufman stadium which is like a baseball stadium in kansas <laughs> kansas city you know so it's something that can like manifest of like oh i want my son to be like an amazing athlete or you know mm. like i want this or that or, you know like places can symbolize different things um but i don't really you know that's not really as important as just like the giving back to nature kind of thing like surrendering yourself mm. to nature that's beautiful. Right? I love that. What's the psychedelic that's from a cactus? Peyote. You want to do peyote with me? <laughs> that terrifies me. My dad has done peyote. Really? Love your dad. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. This was such a fun yeah, conversation. Thank yeah, thank you. And um, sorry, we kind of got off of the like Columbus Day talk of you know changing it over to indigenous people's day but i feel like that's what it's all about you know um it's definitely about embracing indigenous people and all of our different stories so thanks for having me on and letting me like share my voice as not only a navajo but also a mixed person yeah we love learning about it yay Cool. Well, if you enjoyed this episode or if you have something to share in terms of your knowledge of or connection to uh, indigenous people or you want to learn more or you have questions whatever email us tell us where you're from at gmail.com the your is y-o-u-r-e and come back next week because we'll always have a fresh new app for you at that time until next time Bye. 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 Bye.